God expects forgiven people to forgive others, so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. In fact, even in the Lord's Prayer, there's one conditional clause, and it's about forgiveness. Jesus says to pray, God, forgive us as we forgive others. Use the standard I use at dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington 96.7 FM, and streaming at WERA.FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'll be your host for the program tonight. Tonight's guest and his family have suffered through a world of hurt at the hands of other people, dealing with things like murder, molestation, and assault. After describing what they had been through to someone on a well-known pastor support hotline, the counselor paused and said, that's the worst story I've ever heard. Why are you still doing ministry? Bruce Hebel is the co-author of Forgiving Forward, Unleashing the Forgiveness Revolution, and the co-founder of the Forgiving Forward Ministry. He joins us to talk about the hurtful things he and others have experienced and a revolutionary way to free ourselves from the torment that comes with unforgiveness. Bruce, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you, Ed. It's an honor to be here. So you have said in the past that forgiveness is transactional. What do you mean by that? That's a great question, and it's a, uh, an area that many people get confused. We hear a lot, oftentimes that uh, forgiveness is a process, uh, which implies that there's just a, there, there's a period of time that we progressionally move through, and eventually we kind of wind up at a place of forgiveness. But forgiveness actually is not a process. It's a transaction. It's a decision. It's a choice. Uh, because what happens in a wound, what you have to forgive is, is, a, is a wound that occurs in our heart, in our life, to our body, which actually gets into our soul. And that creates a debt. And when you have a debt, a debt gets paid off in a transaction. So uh, to say it's a process it means, well, eventually I'm going to get through it and it's kind of okay. And after a period of time, I will just feel better about it. But that doesn't actually resolve the issue. So what we say and we understand is that we make a decision to forgive us. Ephesians 1 says, before the foundation of the world, Jesus made the decision to forgive us. And so he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It's an action. It's something you pay. A, it's a debt that has been paid. And so you have to apply something to that debt in a transaction. So what what is forgiveness? Describe what it looks like in a practical way. Uh, we Basic bottom line definition of forgiveness is uh, forgiveness is applying the blood of Jesus as payment in full for every wound I ever have or will suffer. It's recognizing that when someone does something that hurts me or wounds me, that that debt has been occur incurred, but they don't have to pay for it. They really can't pay for it. It's impossible. It really is impossible for us to really resolve a wound that we inflict into someone else or for them to resolve a wound that's inflicted upon me. So the the way we understand it is that Jesus on the cross died to pay for the sins of the world, including the ones that wound me. So forgiveness is recognizing that what happened hurt. It was wrong. It was not okay, but that Jesus paid for it. And we make the decision to receive that payment as, as payment in full for whatever happened to us. So it's, it's God 
Jesus paid for this on the cross, so therefore I can make the decision to apply that and deal with the debt that was incurred when someone hurt me. So I, in the intro, mentioned all these different things that you've been through, and I know that you don't get into great detail on some of these because you're respecting the people that you've forgiven, but give us a little bit of background. I mean, you, you went through a, roughly a 10-year period, that a lot of challenges, and you sort of had a, an experience that awakened you to this, this, this forgiveness. So d- tell us about that. Yeah, and that's great. We do not tell the details of our story to protect the forgiven, as we say it. Uh, but I've been, I was raised in a pastor's home uh, and uh, been a pastor for um, basically all my life. I came to faith when I was five. I made my uh, I knew I was called into ministry at age nine. So I've kind of followed that trajectory and that path in my life. And I watched my dad get hurt a lot in ministry because let's just face it, sheep bite. They do. And I saw that happen to my dad. I went said, I'm going to, I'm going to do different than him. I'm not going to be wounded like he did. I'm going to not be blindsided like my dad was. So I go to Bible college. I go to, I meet Tony, we get married. I go to seminary. I get trained by some of the most significant godly leaders on the planet. And then we go off in our ministry and we get wounded as well. Ed, what's interesting for us as pastors is we think we have to have the answers. We can't have the problems. Uh, and so oftentimes foolishly, at least it was for me, I just kind of stuffed it all in. I, I just I just dealt with it. I moved on. I'm good. I'm, I, I've got this. I've got this. And even said that I forgave when I really hadn't because I was I just wasn't. And so there was a period of time of about a year in my life when I was just in deep, deep torment over several things happened over many years to get us to that point. But I, I was I was just an internal mess, even though everything on the outside felt good. Everything on the outside was going well. The ministry we'd come to, the church was was growing. It was it was it was getting stronger. We were dealing with some some dysfunction that was in there before, and 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 a good trajectory was happening. And my teaching skills were functioning. My leadership skills were functioning, but my heart was in torment. And so it took a. a a sabbatical. It took a, a counselor, a friend, uh, who just kind of spoke into my life and said, "Bruce, you got a forgiveness issue." And I said, "No, no, no. I dealt with that." And to be honest, we have a lot of people come to, "Oh, I've forgiven," but we, I had not. And so I'm on a kind of retreat, just me and God in a lake house in Alabama, and God just confronted me and. Uh, said, you haven't forgiven and mentioned this particular man's name. And I said, you, yes, God, I did forgive that. I wrote him a letter and told him so. And God said, I know, I read your letter. <laughs> you shamed him in that letter. Uh, you have not forgiven him. You, you still want him to do something. And so just in a deep internal wrestling with God, I finally made the decision to forgive that man. Because one of the things that God just impressed upon my heart was that as much as God loved me and, and as much as God taken the the woundedness, the, 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 the events that hurt me and had used it as he often does uh, to take me to a new place and train me and, and prepare me and, 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 and coming out of that, God had, had used it to, to really put me in a better place. I was still blaming the other guy for what he did. And it was an interesting question, guys. How do you praise me and blame him for the same event? 
and I didn't have an answer. So when I made the decision to forgive that man for the specific things he did to wound me and wound my family, and I sealed that by blessing them, everything in my spirit changed. It was one of the most, outside of my salvation experience, the most dramatic thing that had ever happened in my spirit. I went back back home and shared it with my wife, Tony, who uh, had been wounded by the same man, and she forgave. And then we gathered our kids together. They were in their late teens, early 20s. And and as you probably know, pastor's kids get hurt a lot because they watch dad and they watch mom. They go through what they go through. They get uprooted. They get misplaced and all things going on happen to us eventually happen to our kids. And they had been wounded and they forgave. In 11 hours on one day, we dealt with the old stuff in our family, things we had done to them, they had done to us, other people had done to us, and our family got transformed in that one day. So you guys, this became a a real focus for you all. I want to do two things. I want to make sure we talk about some stories because people are going to be skeptical Mm -hmm. about this, you know, quickness of healing and the transactional nature of healing. But I want to make sure you talk about uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 34, the the requirement to forgive seven times, 77 times. And and what you realize, you sort of had a realization about how that that, uh, parable ends and, and what that means for us. So why don't you get into that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's great because once we learn to forgive this whole powerful thing that God just took us in me as a pastor, as a theologian, whatever that term might mean, as someone who studies and learn, tries to learn scriptures and understand what God is saying. And I began just doing a deep dive into it and, and begin understanding that God expects forgiven people to forgive others so much so he connects his forgiveness with ours. In fact, even in the Lord's Prayer, there's one conditional clause. And it's about forgiveness. And it's not the condition we would expect because I would expect Jesus giving us a model prayer in a model prayer, a condition to pray about forgiveness would be something like, help me forgive others the way you have forgiven me. Well, it's exactly the opposite of that because Jesus says to pray, God, forgive us as we forgive others. Use the standard I use at dealing with the people who wound me as a standard you use to relate to me. Well, between me and you, Ed, I don't want God using anything I do as his standard, particularly how I deal with wounds. But that's what Jesus says to pray. And I kept seeing that theme, that statement, that concept flow all the way through the Gospels. And then with the help of Bruce Wilkinson, who's a friend of ours, we he helped me rethink this Matthew 18 question. Because in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus the question, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Is seven times enough? Well, Peter knew the Pharisees said in that day, if someone sinned against you twice, you had to forgive three times. If you want to be generous after three times, you don't have to forgive, probably shouldn't. So when Peter was saying seven times, he was doubling the maximum of the Pharisees and adding one. Thinking, did I do good, Jesus? Do I get a pat on the back for this? And Jesus said 70 times seven, which is a a 490 times, which is an unlimited number when you really think about it. Because if you get into the 460s and you're still counting, you probably have not been forgiving. And then Jesus says something very significant, because whenever you read the Gospels and you read Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like, you want to pay attention because he's basically opening the curtains of heaven and giving us a glimpse as to how God wants things to work. And he tells us a story. 
a, a, a parable or a, a metaphor, a natural account to teach a supernatural truth. And here is his story. There was a ruler who came to collect debts from slaves who owed him money. And the first slave he came to owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is they're not equal with each other. One's under the authority of the other. And the, and, and the one owed the ruler 10,000 talents. He said, pay me what you owe me. I don't have it. Then I'm going to throw you and your family into debtor's prison. And the servant says, please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He asked for time. But the ruler gave him more than he asked for. He forgave him the debt. Well, that's a great story. But most people I know, I didn't know until I did the deep research on it, what a talent was worth in that day. Well, a talent was worth 60 mina, and a mina was three months wages. So one talent was 180 or 15 months or 180 or 15 years wages for one talent. And this man owed 10,000 of them. That's 150,000 years worth of wages. Please, please, please give me time. (laughs) Ed, I don't think any of us are going to get a 150,000-year mortgage on a home because that's an insurmountable debt. At 50000 a year, that's that's $7.5 billion that the ruler forgave. Well, one would think that the, the slave would be in a pretty good mood when you get that kind of a debt forgiven. But this guy didn't didn't have that mindset. He went and found a another slave, not someone under his authority, someone equal with him under the same ruler's authority who owed him 100 days wages, $16,000. That's a manageable debt. And he says, pay me what you owe me. Same appeal. Please, please, please give me time. I'll pay it back. And the first slave choked the second slave and threw him in prison. And the ruler heard about it and summoned him and said, you wicked slave, which, by the way, was not a compliment. (laughs) He said, I forgave you all that debt because you asked for mercy. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? And I think that's a very legitimate question. And then the text says, and his Lord, the little L, moved with anger, rightfully so, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay what he owed. Well, what is it he owed? Well, he didn't know the money because if you forgive a debt, you legally cannot reclaim that debt. But he owed something. What is it he owed? Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave the same way I had mercy on you? He owed mercy to the next guy or what we call forgiving forward. And then, and and, and the torturer in that day was a man who was assigned to the jail, who was skilled at exacting the greatest amount of pain for the longest amount of time without someone passing out or dying. Think if you've seen Braveheart, the guy at the end of the movie, We've all seen movies or shows that, that that we understand what torment looks like. It's like waterboarding. That's a horrific experience. And then Jesus leaves the parable. This is a very significant point because he's no longer telling a pretend story. He's now answering Peter's question. And remember who Peter was. He was the leader of the disciples, the guy Two chapters earlier in Matthew 16, he says, I'm going to hand the keys of the kingdom of heaven over to you. In other words, I'm going to die, resurrect, and ascend into heaven. And we're going to create a marketing firm called the church. And you're going to be responsible for taking the message of the gospel to the entire world. So 
If anyone's going to be get special treatment, it might be the ones that Jesus takes three plus years to take the message to train to take the message of the gospel viral. Jesus says, "My heavenly Father will do the same to you, Peter, and you other guys, if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart." The same what? My heavenly Father will do the same what? Well, in the context of Matthew eighteen, it can't mean anything but hand you over to the torturers. God gives authority for us to be tormented when we don't forgive, which is shocking to me when I notice that. And torture, torment looks like anxiety. It looks like depression. It looks like all of the addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex, and uh, control issues, paranoia, some physical issues. And we've literally seen people physically healed just by forgiving, not by asking for it, just by forgiving. And if the and not all physical ailments are associated with torment of unforgiveness, but if they are and someone forgives, they get free. I had a guest on the program whose son was murdered at age 20 by a mm. 14-year-old gangbanger. And he forgave that that person, that, that young man. He reached out to the young man's grandfather and who was who was praying in his prayer closet to meet him. And they got together and they decided to to travel around the world and promote a message of nonviolence. And and the gentleman's name was Azim Kamisa, who was forgiving, and and his family all forgave the killer as well. But his son's fiance, a young woman, refused to forgive. And she spiraled into just a downward spiral and into addiction and eventually took her life. Yeah. And so here here the whole family was they had forgiven. And and if you see pictures of these people, there's a picture of Azim and Tony, the killer, he actually went to the governor and asked him to release him at 25 years, and he hired him for the nonprofit he started for his son. That's an amazing story. That is amazing. And, and they're arm-in-arm, and arm, the three of them, and, and this picture is beaming, and it's just this, because he says there are victims at both ends of the gun, so he chose to forgive. So let's talk about some stories, because uh, you know people, people could be skeptical. You had this wonderful <laughs> occurrence in your family, and all you've, you've told me a number of things when we, I talked to your wife a little bit on the phone, and then I've talked to you. Give us some stories. I think one of the ones that kind of stood out to me is uh, there was a wife and daughter who were seduced by a pastor and, and who is now in jail, I think, and then years later, the son was murdered by police and yeah, but there was an incredible story of forgiveness there. Share with us some of these things. Oh, yeah, that's a great story. Uh, we were uh, in Dallas uh, teaching, and um, uh, we had a night off, and one of the couples that had arranged for us to come, we were staying at their house, and they, their small group came over and uh, uh, just to get together. It was, it was going to be not a teaching night. It was just getting to know one another. They'd been through our video curriculum. And, and, and so they, let's just, we just want to, we just want to get to know Bruce. And so as we're preparing for the evening, Jim, the host of the host came to me and said, Bruce, I'm so sorry. Someone invited Larry. I said, okay. Since you don't understand, Larry's the most bitter man I've ever met. He sucks the life out of every room he walks into with his bitterness. I said, okay. And so whatever. We'll be fine. Uh, so he came and we had the, t the evening, we had our burgers and, and we were chatting with people and I was just, I was introduced to Larry and just chatted with him, but didn't spend any time with him because I had other people that we need to connect with. But Larry just came and sat on a, 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 a couch for the whole pretty much evening. And when everyone's gone, he's still sitting there. So I sit next to him because I think one of the things that we've learned is that 
God wants us to help somebody else forgive because most people who need to forgive need help doing it. So I sat down and said, Larry, what's your story? Tell me your story. And uh, he told me his story. And his story was about 10 years prior, he'd been in a a church and the pastor of the church not only seduced his wife, but his underage daughter and several other wives and underage girls. And he still is in the Huntsville prison right now, that pastor. And uh, Larry told me, he says, I was on my way to kill him and God literally stopped me, but I'll never forgive him. And then a year earlier than this, nine years after the, the, the thing with his wife and daughter, his son came back from the Marines from Afghanistan and had some PTSD issues. And he had an encounter with a police lieutenant that went south. And uh, this young man, in some of his PTSD, almost paranoia going on, felt like that there was a uh, corruption that he was supposed to expose in the Dallas police department. So he became a nuisance to this lieutenant and others in the, uh, the police department. And yet one day, he one night, he's supposed to be at a Bible study, calls his buddy. He was at the Bible study and just announced that he had just shot himself hmm. uh, and tried to commit suicide. Now he's a Marine. He shot himself through the shoulder. It wasn't really an actual suicide attempt. From my understanding, it was more of a cry for help because he would have known how to kill himself had he tried. He was just looking for help. And his buddy calls 911 and the lieutenant that he'd had the encounter with was off duty, but heard it. And he said, I'll respond. And two other uniformed police officers responded, walked into the bathroom where this young man was bleeding on the floor and they shot him six more times Hmm. and killed him. And the police investigated and they no build it. There was no charges. And Larry said, I'll never forgive him. And so I, Long story, because we got a short time here. I was able to coach Larry to forgive that pastor and for what he did to his daughter and his wife, for his his wife, for because out of her shame, she divorced him and separated. And the, the police department, the, the officers who killed him, uh, the officer, the one officer who didn't shoot, but witnessed it and didn't didn't report and. Larry got radically freed, radically freed that night. In fact, Jim, the host, was watching this. He says, I've never, he's got a radio broadcast like you do. He's had me on. He's had Larry on. He's, he said, I've never seen that kind of transformation. And we saw him the next night and he had already walked, you know, come to a 7-Eleven and found some police officers and went and, and, and uh, blessed them and encouraged them, bought him some coffee and his whole ministry, his whole life now in his construct, even if he's a contractor, is to figure out a way to encourage and bless the police department. And, and, and those are stories. That's an extraordinary story, but we have them all the time. When we choose to forgive, God sets us free. The reason being, forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. And when we say we won't forgive, we're saying God may forgive this person. The Heavenly Father may accept the blood of Jesus for what this person did, but I need something more than that. And that that is something God disciplines harshly by allowing us to be tormented. But when we choose to forgive, the tormentors leave. And we see it. We've coached thousands of people to freedom in the last 10 years. We've had over a thousand people in our home just, just coaching. And uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, you mentioned, I think, when I heard the story from either you or your wife, 
you post the question to Larry, are you enjoying your torment? And he's basically asking that. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're yeah, so he said, much- I'll never forgive. I said, well, okay. Are you enjoying your torment? I'm going to sleep well tonight. You, however, will not. Uh-uh. And uh, why would you want to do that? And when he chose to forgive, everything changed. It's and he supports so us now, and he's a he's a great forgiving forward uh, advocate in in the Dallas area. So there, there's just so much to talk about. Uh, we should do a second program at one point. Um, but I want to make sure we got a few minutes uh, left. What's the most important thing you'd like to share with people? I mean, we've already kind of touched on a number of very deep things, but you know, what, what what's something you want to make sure you leave with listeners above anything else? Well, I, I think that. Forgiveness at its core is recognizing that in the Matthew 18 story, we are the first servant, not the second servant, that we have been forgiven and insurmountable. The contrast between our unrighteousness and God's righteousness way exceeds what anybody else ever, ever does to us. So to honor the cross, to honor what Jesus did for us, it's just natural we would choose to forgive. And so the, the message of the cross is so powerful. And, and if we don't apply it to those who've hurt us, then we can't witness the gospel. So our witness is even more pronounced in the, in the culture when we live lives of forgiveness. I, be honest, I see it in the culture today. You see it all over the place, the, the riots, the, 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 the anger that it's in the culture. All of it stems from the fact we've are demanding someone else pay what Jesus has already paid. So my encouragement is to just get in, just get into the word. We've got resources to, you could, we'd love for you to get in your hands. Uh, you can go to our website, forgivingforward.com. Uh, that's how you can contact us. That's how you also, we have a video curriculum that you can download, that you can get access to online and, and go through the sessions there. We have a book, we have other resources that, that we would love to help you and, there's just no need to live in torment because the answer is simply applying the blood of Jesus to it. So I want you to, you talked about the impotence of the church, uh, you know, because Mm -hmm. of unforgiveness. Um, Talk to that just for a a minute, less than a minute, 45 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think the reason why the church is so impotent is because we've not learn to forgive and we salute forgiveness, but we don't do it. And the watching world is looking at us going, you're not smoking what you're selling. Uh, you want us to believe in the forgiveness of God, but you're not willing to forgive one another. And I often jokingly say that I have a, a life motto. It's this, I never want to eat barbecue prepared by a vegetarian because I just don't think it's going to turn out well. I want my barbecue prepared by somebody who's overweight, who has got barbecue sauce in his beard, who you know have eat, has eaten his stuff. The world wants to know that we've tasted the, the grace of God. We've tasted the freedom of forgiveness. And we're we're spreading that forgiveness. We're just letting you live out of the overflow. We're sharing the overflow of God's forgiveness of us with you as we live our lives. Anything that wounds us, we're going to apply the blood of Jesus because that's the message of grace. That's the message of the gospel. It's not that what happened didn't matter. It's just that it was paid for. It doesn't, it's not that whatever happened is no big deal. It's just that Jesus already paid for it. And there's so much more we could share, but that's the essence. Is the blood of Jesus enough for you or not? Does the cross work? Does the empty tomb work or not? 
That's the big question about forgiveness. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me. If listeners would like to find out more about this ministry, check out his website at forgivingforward.com. This is Ed and Bruce signing off from Grace and 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.